Welcome to the podcast. In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim Elmore, and I am the lead pastor at Memorial Baptist Church, Stratford, Ontario. And I'm Marshall Morden. I'm the associate pastor at Memorial in Stratford. How are you doing, Tim? I'm uh, I'm all right. Yeah? I'm all right, yeah. You got your podcast hat on? Got my <laughs> bundled up for the podcast. That's got, right. I do... No gloves. No, yeah, you got to be able to turn pages. That's true. Got to open my Bible. Yeah, uh, but, but I do. So, so in Canada, it's called a toque. That's right. I I would call it a a toboggan. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't make for a good toboggan. I'm just trying to envision you <laughs> sliding down a large snowy hill on top of a small hat. <laughs> right. Anyways, difference, different strokes. Yeah. Different strokes. All right. So here we are. <laughs> Uh, this is this is going to be the second half of Leviticus yeah. and an introduction to Numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There no. is there is a lot to cover. There actually is. It's funny. So ahead of this week's reading, I thought, oh boy, I wonder if we're going to be hard pressed to find good material, you know, for the upcoming episode. And then once I got into it, I was like, no, this is just full of good things worth worth kind of expanding on. So the the Word of God does not fail to provide. Um, compelling content so that's yeah, yeah. I, I think the I think the misnomer when it comes to Leviticus and numbers is that these are just lists uh, that that Leviticus is just a long list of rules and numbers is a long list of people mm. uh, and that's not the case there's not lots of dialogue there's lots of theology there's narrative all these kinds of things exist inside of it uh, that are easy to talk about and just in case you don't make it to the middle of the podcast Leviticus 26 is probably uh, for understanding the narrative of Scripture uh, the most important chapter in the Pentateuch in order for us to better understand the relationship between God and his people yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. throughout. So uh, we'll throw that in there now just to compel people uh, to, one, finish, get at least that far in the podcast. Yeah, and yeah, then, that is key. And then, and then two, to make sure that, that that gets read in case something happens and you're not able to finish it. Uh, but let's talk, before we get into all that, let's talk about forests and trees. What's the uh, What are the main concepts? Yeah, uh, well, for me, I mean, one of the things that jumped... Uh, out for me, um, the, just the idea of the the holiness of God. I mean, God is a holy. He is other. He is, you know, separate in a sense from His creation. That's a that's a recurring theme throughout throughout Leviticus and and even into Numbers. Yeah, and and I think it's really important what you said there that He in His holiness He is other and mm-hmm. and is set apart because that's that's the essence of what holiness means. A lot of times we we take holiness just to mean piety. Right. And and imperfection. And mm-hmm. we confuse righteousness and holiness yeah. in that way. Now, let's not mi- take this too far. That a person would be perfectly righteous oh, yeah. would make them holy. Certainly. Because they would be other and separate from a world that is not perfectly mm-hmm. righteous. Oh, yeah. They're, they're related concepts, but there is there is nuance in the, in the difference between the two terms for sure. And it's important to understand those differences. Uh, particularly when there's such an important theme to to the text we're we're going over. Yeah, yeah. So the the holiness of God is uh, is a big deal, and, and I think I think I would piggyback on that with a major theme, and say the intentionality of God in mm. uh, in His laws, so that we would understand His holiness, right? And we would understand how to practice holiness. Mm, okay. Yeah. And, and I say we, meaning Israel, right? Because. We didn't belong there at all. 
Sure. <laughs> Israel. So the law was created uh, so that Israel would understand the righteousness of God and that Israel would understand how it is they were to practice righteousness by the law, how it is they were supposed to be set apart from the people around them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. living differently in order to fulfill that. And that's that's generally the point of Leviticus. Yeah, yeah. And just kind of, you know, as as we'd already mentioned too, right, like obviously— these the specifics of these of these laws don't apply to us in the same way that they did for you know Old Testament Israel, but you know there still are important uh, principles to be gleaned from this that we can you know incorporate into our understanding in our in our contemporary Christian walk. So again, as we've already mentioned, we kind of beat that that horse a little bit last time, but you know not not purposeless study for sure. Yeah, and, and I would add to that that the law is relational. And, and I see that, uh, mm-hmm. particularly when we get to 26. Yeah. We'll see that this is about uh, obtaining and maintaining relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And, and Him, these are, these are the necessary things that must be in place in order for a holy God to live amongst an unholy people. Agreed. And so His holiness, their pursuit of holiness, and that relationship, all of the, the major three points of the forest for this week sort of come together yeah. uh, in, in that. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about the trees. Let's sort of work our way through the uh, narrative. Sure, yeah. So we're starting in Leviticus 19 this week. Um, and this is kind of where we get this uh, kind of iconic statement, I guess you could say, that you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Yeah, and this is this is one of the reasons why I wanted to put an emphasis on the difference between righteous perfection mm. and separateness, uh, because I have heard this taught uh what that means is you should be perfect because I'm perfect. Right. And and after that, the the person speaking on that said, but obviously that's not obtainable. Mm. And so what it really means is do your best and I understand when you make mistakes. Uh, and so it's a, it's a call to something that you could never achieve. In, in their minds, it would be then a call to something you could never achieve. And then God saying, but I don't really mean business. I mean... Whatever you got's good enough, and and the problem with that is, God means business. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we're does. we're going to see that mm-hmm. coming up. Uh. But uh. But yeah. It it ends up making the statements of God neither binding nor important. Right. Yeah. Which is dangerous to do. Da- mm-hmm. It's a dangerous game to play when not taking the word of God seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And so what he's saying is, I am set apart in other, mm-hmm. and in order to be in a relationship with me which makes sense because we are pursuing Christ-likeness. So how do you pursue Christ-likeness? But you become like Christ, mm-hmm. and that is to be set apart. Yeah. That is to be holy. Yeah, yeah. And it's in that opening chapter, too, worth mentioning, right, this idea of that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Not exclusively a New Testament principle. This is something that, you know, was true for the nation of Israel as well as the the, the church. So, uh, yeah, and then we get into the following chapter. We, we, we get talking about um, child sacrifice, God explicitly saying, do not sacrifice your children. Right, and, and this is important because uh, we, I've, I've already had people come to me and say, hey, the whole Abraham-Isaac thing, Right. God asked for uh, child sacrifice, and apparently Abraham believed that this is something he was supposed to do. Uh, is it something that God would really have called him to? And, and why didn't Abraham, like, w- would Abraham have heard that and said, well, this is obviously not the voice of God, but it was the voice of God, and, and just sort of that tension inside of that? Uh, and there are going to be times in Judges coming up where we are going to see acts of uh, child sacrifice uh, that are that are brought to fruition. Right. Uh, that is a, a 
servant of God, a judge, mm. doing this in in order to honor God. Right. Uh, and and a lot of times people stumble over that, and they're like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Uh, but the issue is that he did that does not mean that God blessed or ordained that. Right. Right. The difference between description and prescription, course, which we've yep. gone over quite a bit. Yep. Uh, but but to say someone did this is not to say that, and it was received by God as a great thing, and God blessed it, right? right. Because God speaks very vehemently here against it. Uh, and it's also going to come up later when we start talking about the assimilation of other gods into the uh, practices of Israel. Right, yeah. I mean, under under many of the kings of, of uh, Israel and Judah, I mean, this type of practice becomes incorporated. I mean, perhaps even under Solomon in his latter years, right? Uh, when he marries his foreign wives and builds temples to these foreign gods, um, you know, Molech was a very popular god of that ancient Near Eastern region, right? So, um, yeah, and I mean, God just takes this so seriously. I mean, not only is the punishment uh, death for someone who sacrifices their child, but even even to, to, to turn a blind eye to it, even that, you know, is a punishable offense. Like, right. just to know that it's happening, but not to act on it, God takes that extremely seriously. Right, so this is, this is something that, that he is not leaving up for interpretation, uh, that he's just coming right out and he's condemning. After that, we get into more talk of holiness and, and setting apart. Uh, yep. and, and in particular, the priests are set apart yeah. in a uh, different way, even uh, beyond the way the people are set apart. And then we start talking about the setting apart of times. So there's right. the setting apart of God uh, mm-hmm. as holy. There's the setting apart of the people as holy, consecrating to God. Now there's the setting apart of time yeah. as holy. Yeah, the feasts. I mean, the, the, the ancient uh, Israelite nation, I mean, they had a, they had a busy calendar. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and one of the things, though, that, that I find interesting to be included in this list of feasts in chapter 23, the first one is just it's the Sabbath. Right. That's a that's a that's a weekly holiday, a weekly holy day that uh, the people of God are to observe. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and the beauty of that is that it, in, in this, we're supposed to recognize God as our provider and that it is in him that we receive all that we have. And uh, that it is not up to us necessarily to be our own providers. Yeah. Now, we could definitely take that too far and say, does that mean I just sit on the couch and Netflix uh, all day long? Uh, that's, that's kind of an antiquated thing. Right. Disney Plus sure. Disney yeah. Plus is the new thing, right? That's what all the <laughs> cool kids are doing. That's right. uh, and, and, so, and so does that mean that I just sort of sit on the, the couch and flip through the TV or scroll through social media and expect you know, the delivery guy to come knock on my door because God is just going to be providing and I'm doing nothing. Obviously, that is not the case. But the, right. I, the idea of, of being able to say, I can set apart a day where I am totally devoted to the worship of God by rest. Yeah. And in that case, it becomes a form of fasting. Sure. Right? It's fasting from the need to provide for myself because I recognize that my need to be in worship with God and in resting from my work is more important. So yeah. I fast my personal provision mm-hmm. in order to spend time with God and recognize him as the provider. Mm-hmm. I think it's also a display of satisfaction with what you have. Because, I mean, theoretically, if you worked seven days a week, you know, constantly, you could perhaps acquire more wealth, right? But to to forego that to limit your productivity, so to speak, 
for the purpose of worship, setting aside time for God, also demonstrates a satisfaction with what he has chosen to give you um, through through the other six days, right? So, um, yeah, it's a, it's an important concept that I think um, is, is worth considering and, and worth understanding how we apply that to to our modern day lives. Yeah, because I, I think what happens a lot of times is is God gets sort of designated to this sort of like, when I get a chance, I will, and everything else becomes important, but when I get around to it, and and that's not where God resides. God resides as the preeminence. And and I, I, I read a great quote in a book one time. I, I wish I had thought of this before so that I could give you the book and the author of it. So forgive me for that. Uh, but, uh, but, but what it said was, essentially what he was trying to say was, we don't rest from our work because the work is done, which is often when we want to rest. Well, if I just do this, let me do this and let me do that. And, and even when we set apart a Sabbath day, right, I'm going to set apart this day as a Sabbath. But first, I, there are just a couple of things that I have to tend to. They're going to fall apart without me and let me take care of those things and then I'll rest. Um, and, and by the way, this is this is me speaking with a plank in my eye. Sure. Uh, this, is, this is not sure. me saying do what I do. Uh, <laughs> this is about me interpreting the scripture in a way that we all, including myself, yeah. uh, I mean. should be following. Uh, but, but what he said was we don't rest because the work is done. We rest because there is work yet to be done. Mm. And that Sabbath is not the sort of the game's over and we can rest because there's another game will be coming up later. It's halftime. Sure. It's rest because you know that there are, there is more to be done and mm-hmm. that you reckon you don't rest because there's nothing left to do. You rest because there's a lot left to do mm-hmm. and you need that uh, spiritually and physically. Uh, I thought that was a great assessment of uh, how it is that we practice that in our own hearts, in our own lives without making it legal. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I love that. I love that. And I mean, kind of within this whole idea of Sabbath, um, is this idea of the Sabbath year and the year of Jubilee. Right. Right? Which is kind of a, an interesting concept, right? The idea that every seven years, they're going to let the ground rest, right? You're not going to plant and harvest that year. You're going to r- rely on the provision from previous years. Yeah. And, and you know, God, a person would look at that immediately and say, that's a year in an agrarian culture. Yeah. How do you do that? It's a big but, ask. But before, but in the midst of asking, God says, I'm going to reward you for your obedience, so don't worry about what you're going to eat. It'll be there. Yeah. Just do this. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Interestingly then, enough, though, how, what happens when you actually read about the year of Sabbath taking place? Well, they... Sorry, they, I don't think they actually ever end up doing it. Trick question. Good yeah, job. right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I was like, uh, wait. Uh, yeah, no, they never. They never actually. They never actually do it. They, yeah. they never do. They never make it to the year of jubilee. Yeah. Uh, all yeah. of these things are things that are given to them that they just never get around to. Yeah. In their worship. Yeah. Um, okay. Well then, you know, we have these, some instructions about how to, how to deal with the poor, how to show kindness to those who are in need. I mean, just in, kind of in a brief summary, you know, it was a. It was a society that cared for the less fortunate. I mean, this this whole idea of, of charity, this whole idea of of you know providing for those in need. This is not a, a modern construct. You know, this is something that God instituted thousands of years ago. Right. And so, just you know, I think it's just healthy to understand that. You know, sometimes I think we we look at ourselves in our in our contemporary modern culture, and we we feel like we're so enlightened. We're so wise. We, we've we've just got it down so good, and uh, and sometimes I think it's it's good to be reminded that um, you know 
we aren't necessarily the pinnacle of all good things. Yeah, yeah. God is God is here from the beginning, sort of leveling that playing field. Uh, he's creating ways for uh, people not to become too consumed by what it is that they have the capacity to contain to obtain, and mm-hmm. for people not to be crushed by what it is that they've lost. That's where the year of jubilee. When you guys, when you read about the year of jubilee, you'll see it's this awesome, just sort of social reset button. Yeah, it's great, and uh, and and it's a very interesting thing. Uh, and and then all of that leads us into twenty six. Yeah, which is uh, something that I've been pretty eager to talk about because I I really believe that chapter twenty six of Leviticus is is underutilized. I think there's a lot of uh, in reading the Old Testament. There's a lot of tension in the way that God and His people interact, and there's a lot of misunderstanding about how God and His people are interacting. And and I think that all of that can be explained with a good understanding of Leviticus 26. Yeah. So my challenge to you, uh, if you're reading along with us, I would challenge you to stop and read Leviticus 26 twice. Sure, yeah. Or it, it's kind of divided into three sections. Maybe read it three times then. <laughs> uh, and and so the, the reason I think that you can get this is because here in the midst of the law, so it's towards the end of Leviticus, uh, but it is still in the midst of the law, uh, and, and he, he gives this reasoning for why the law exists yeah and he says he says if then Mm. if not then not right right so so what we see is that this Servian vassal covenant that we talked about before uh this covenant between a god that is over them and a people who are under him uh this covenant is conditional yeah yeah it is if you do this then I promise to. If you do not, then I promise I will. Right? Yeah. Uh, so the, the first part of it is beautiful. It really is. I mean, if you think, you know, to to uphold the law as a society, the, 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 the richness of the blessings that God is promising for his people, I mean, it's it's fantastic, right? The like, sword will not pass across the land. Yeah. The, the only problem they have in this world at the beginning of Leviticus 26 is figuring out what to do with last year's produce when it's time for this year's harvest. Yeah. Because they are going to be abundant. They're going to have what they need. Mm-hmm. And they are going to live in absolute peace. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. But, 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 but the but biggest, it, the biggest word in the Bible, three letters, but. Yeah. Right? And so this, this becomes a hinge. This is, this is the fulcrum on which all of this pivots, right? But. Yeah. But. But if you don't, and the consequences? They're severe. Like very, very severe. They are, um, in some cases, gruesome. In some oh, cases, yeah. you know, like, uh, it's, 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 it's heavy reading. I mean, it's, 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 not, it's not the kind of situation you would ever want to find yourself in. Right. I mean, God is really the stakes. The stakes are high when it comes to Israel's obedience to this covenant relationship. And you see that you see that in in the blessing and and in the curses. And, you know, what? a, a person might be tempted to read this and or to read the curse and what will come of the people if they don't follow him. Mm-hmm. And and how desperate their state will be when he removes his blessing from them mm-hmm. and allows the enemies of the land to come in and give rest to the land. 
uh, give rest to the land by getting rid of Israel, who's not listening. And, and you read this and you think, surely there's some hyperbole in here. Surely he's overstating so that they understand that he's trying to make a point. But the truth is, as we read through some of those later chapters of the Old Testament, as we read uh, even through you know the Chronicles and Kings and things like that, we find that these things actually take place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The most gruesome of things listed here mm-hmm. will take place. Yeah, yeah. And the land will enjoy its Sabbath, as it, it, in verse 34 it, it talks about this, right? It's like, yeah, you guys aren't going to fulfill the covenant by doing these various things, including you know, uh, engaging in this whole idea of, of the Sabbath year. Um, well, I will, I will make it happen, right? I, I right. will, I will make these things happen. Should you not follow, um, this direction that I've given you, and but, but there's another, but yes, there is. And, and I think this is important because what what is going to happen at this point is a lot of people are going to look at this and they're going to say, see, that is the kind of God that I would never want, uh, to believe exists or that I would never want to follow. Because what he's saying is I've given you an unobtainable law. And it is overly harsh in such a way that I don't believe it could ever actually be fulfilled or accomplished. And when you inevitably fail, I am going to crush you. Yeah. But that's not at all the heart of what's going on here. No. In, in, in fact, so much of the law is doable. Yeah. There, there's so much. And, and, and those things inside of the heart that might not be doable, those things that we, we look at and say, hey, you know what? I could see myself failing on that, not choosing systematically to turn against it in rebellion, but I could see myself failing. We have long lists of the sacrifices that would bring about for them redemption. Oh, yeah. The type of rebellion that Israel engages in that results in them experiencing these curses is not like, you know, some guy messing up one time. And, and it's not, I did my best, but... Yeah, no, it's 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 open hostility to God and God's ways, like from top to bottom for extended periods of time. Right. 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 And, and so in this, in this, after he, he talks about the curse, he's very clear to say his purpose for that is restoration. Yeah. I'm doing these things as a punishment for you, not as a judgment, but as discipline. Yeah. Right. There's a difference between judgment and discipline. And so what Israel is receiving here in this curse is not judgment. They're receiving discipline mm. in order that they would turn and be brought back to him. Judgment would be to say, that's the end of it. Uh, you failed. And and this is your punishment. Mm. Right. But this is to say that he is saying, I am doing these things so that you would understand your dependence on me and you would come back to me and repent. If you don't repent. It's only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you do, yeah. then I'll restore you. Yeah. Yeah. God God says, if if you confess your sins and return to me, I will remember the covenant that I made with your forefathers. And there are instances within Israel's redemptive history where this happens, where there are certain characters who who cry out to God and and kind of remind him of his own word. Right. Kind of kind of kind of remember Remember your promise to us, God, when you said, if we repent, if we come back in humility, you will restore us. And there are times when he does. Right. And that's again, like like you said, that's that that is the purpose of this. Right. God is God is seeking to restore his relationship with his people because he knows that they will not uphold it. Right. Absolutely. All right. So we have six minutes to do six chapters of numbers. OK. Well, your Mark, get set. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Chapter one, uh, census of the warriors. Yeah. So everybody 20 years and up, 600,000 men able to go to war. 
Yeah, and and then after that, there's there's a little bit of technicality here. Uh, so there's a, the arrangement of camps mm-hmm. uh, and that sort of thing. The the discussions of the sons of Aaron and the, the consecration of the firstborn. Uh, so th- there are some technicality kind of things that are taking place here that are descriptive of how it is they are supposed to live and how it is they're going to worship. It's also uh, an, an acknowledgement of the status of where they are as a people, mm. sort of the, the taking of the census and and measuring kind of who they are and where they're at yeah. uh, in a very practical kind of way yeah. is kind of how it begins. But I don't want you to think that Numbers is just all about this. There's uh, there's going to be quite a bit of narrative even in this week's reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The week coming up, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good things to to read on. Uh, one of the interesting things in uh, in the chapters of Numbers is uh, is this whole idea of the the Nazarite vow, which is kind of mm-hmm. interesting, right? Right, kind of this this. Um, someone willingly taking on almost a higher degree of holiness, if that makes any sense, kind of committing yeah. themselves right. to, to being further set apart than, than the, than the rest of the people. Um, and, uh, what's interesting is, I mean, the most, the most famous, um, example we have in the Bible, uh, and I mean, we'll get to him probably in a, in a few weeks, I guess we're, we're getting, well, I don't know, m- month or two, uh, Samson. Right. And, sure. and it's funny because as you read through as as I'm reading through the requirements of the Nazarite vow, I'm thinking, oh, man, he I don't know if he kept a single one. Right. Right. Because it, it looks here like the Nazarite is someone who sets themselves apart and takes the vow and says, I'll do this. And but if we remember back, uh, the angel comes and says, your son will be a Nazarite. Mm. So maybe the vow is taken on his behalf. Uh, Samson's a peculiar character. Yeah, he, we, we can't get too much into him. Uh, he, you know. Coloring book theology. Sure. He's, he's a great story. Uh, the foxes with the tails. But but as far as like uh, the just sort of like ethic, yeah. Christian ethic, he's I, I he's a, a difficult story. Well, we'll yeah. we look forward to tackling that one. But he's a Nazarite. <laughs> yep. That's and true. so you can read here in uh, Numbers chapter five, uh, what it or six, six I think chapter six. You can read here what it is he was supposed to be. Yeah. And uh, the claim that he was supposed to to make. Uh, as the judge over Israel, uh, and as the the promise that was given to his mom, mm. and then we get into Aaron's blessing. Yeah, Aaron's yeah. blessing. Yeah, nice. it's it's the the bened- the benediction that you so often share with us at Memorial on Sunday mornings. Which is right. Great. So, so the Aaron's Aaron's blessing is this: uh, Chapter six, verse twenty-two, of Numbers. Uh, the Lord said to Mo- uh, spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Hmm. Now, I don't go through all of it. No. I, I sort of allude to it. I would say more than I use it. Sure. Yeah, so normally normally what I'll do is uh, I take whatever the message is from the sermon, whatever that, that take-home uh, from the sermon is, and I'll say, the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you, mm-hmm. uh, and then that he would bless us with the wisdom and experience that his word has given us in that sermon. Yeah, yeah. No, it's meaningful. I think it's, uh, I think... I was actually reading a TDC article the other day. I think it was TDC about benedictions making a comeback. So it was yeah. kind of cool. It, it had to be TGC. Yeah. There is only TGC. Yeah. <laughs> There's right. only TGC. So, so long as they're carrying the podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's a, I don't read it. I, no. Desiring God is I don't gone. know what that is. Right. What's Ligonier? Nine I don't marks. Know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, 
so that's this week's reading. There's a, a lot of great stuff, a lot of really interesting stuff. <laughs> uh, don't let the names of the books and, and the sort of bad rap that they take yeah. you know leviticus and numbers people get scared of them. like there's there's some really good reading mm-hmm. uh and, and did i mention leviticus 26 yeah just yeah. want to make sure that that gets thrown in before we close up yeah uh highlights uh highlights for me um i don't know there's 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 a lot of different things that kind of jump off the page at me one of the things that i that i just i i really do um i really do appreciate is just this this idea in the law of just not taking advantage of others, right? Like there's, there's this, there's this high, there's this high calling of, um, of caring for your neighbor in the law of God. Um, you know, not looking out for number one, but, but what is, what is best for, for the community. And I just think that, um, you know, within that, there's just, there's something to be learned because I think so often in our individual individualistic society um it's very easy to kind of just get really self-absorbed with with our needs and our wants and our desires and uh and i think i think you know having a biblical uh perspective on on how we view our fellow man uh those who also bear the image of god is uh is a beneficial thing to to meditate on and to uh and to consider so yeah so so let me piggyback off of that uh, this is unplanned, but I'm gonna I'm okay. gonna pick it back off Uh-oh. of it. Uh, so so with you saying that, what you're essentially saying, if I hear you right, is because mankind is the image of God, there is something special about them, and we are not to ignore them and their struggle. Yeah. Uh, and and seek after only our own gain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and to forget them. Mm-hmm. I would add to that uh, a highlight from this is that we not use those people and sacrifice them. Uh, when they are a disadvantage to us, it's one thing to go out of your way and uh, and just ignore them. It's another thing to use people um, in such a way as to bring you advantage, right? So right. we we talked about what it means to sacrifice the children and how important it is to God that He would go out of His way to mention it here. Uh, mm-hmm. That would be in in sort of the A and E, the ancient Near Eastern world. Uh, the way that that would be done is it would be an offering to God. I am going to cost this person their life because I think there might be benefit coming to me by appeasing uh, mm-hmm. a God who is going to give something to me. So this person's life is devalued mm-hmm. so that my life can be better. Yeah. Uh, some might argue that that's a sort of A&E thing that we don't do anymore. Um, I would argue that's not the case. I would argue that we offer child sacrifice for the sake of personal convenience mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and a life lived because we're just not ready. Yeah. Um, the God of comfort and money and, and right. The, and the God of self. And so, yeah. so the idea, a lot of people are going to take that and be like, Oh no, they went, they went the abortion route and now they're going to get political. This isn't, this isn't politics. Mm-hmm. This has nothing to do with politics. This has to do with what it means for us to see human life the way God sees human life. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So there's a heavy enough note for ending. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> big, big, nice, big bass note at big, the end. Big oof Boom. to finish. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, and is produced by the one and only Alex Walker. Have a good week. See you, everybody.